Today's episode of PNW Pod is brought to you by WarbyParker.com. Get a free five-day home try-on at WarbyParkerTrial.com forward slash Logan. Five pairs, five days, 100% free. The following is a Logan Agency production. Today's guest, Tyler Ornstein, the CEO of Tyler's Coffee. Savvy investors is the one that looks for the opportunity and strike. Be featured on the show, send inquiries to the brand Logan at gmail.com. It is another episode of PNW Pod. Thanks for hanging out wherever you do so. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or of course our website at theloganagency.com. Joining us today, we got Tyler Ornstein of Tyler's Coffee joining us via Zoom. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Hey, thank you for uh, taking some time out of your Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever day it is in this pandemic. Days kind of just blur together. That is the truth, man. I, you know, I'll tell you what, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, in February of uh, 2020, January, February 2020, I was like, oh, yeah, no, we need to be very careful. We need to understand this. We just, this needs to, you know, we need to be very, very uh, observant of this. This is important. This could be a really big problem. Uh, fast forward the whole year into December. I'm done. Everyone is relating to you in that sense, but what have the personal impacts been on you and, and what has kind of got you to the point of burnout with everything going on? Real simple. If you can walk into a restaurant and you have to wear a mask, but you sit at a table and you take off your mask, <laughs> this is not a virus. This is a control epidemic. It is a controlling way of, of uh, numbing the masses to complacency. A complacent society is a controlled society, and I won't be controlled. And I always find it funny that when you go to a grocery store or any retail outlet and you're actually using the the credit card machine, they've got the covers on the credit card machines, but it's okay to touch everything else. They don't have cover on the scanner. You can touch the touch screen, but for some reason there's a plastic shield on the buttons where you put in your four to six digit pin. Does that make sense? <laughs> None of this makes sense. None of it. Before we get into your amazing story with your business, what is the impact for you and what you guys do and if any, the repercussions of state mandates? First and foremost, we created the world's first an organic acid-free coffee. So coffee is the heartburn ingestion of the stomach. Coffee is inherently acidic. And by not blooming the tannic and lipid acids found in the roasting process, we're able to yield a neutral pH without causing any uh, issues. That being said, we also can increase the levels of natural caffeine because we don't burn the caffeine molecule in the roasting process. You have to think of caffeine as like an octane, and an octane gets burned at a certain temperature. So your body is essentially just monitoring the acidity value because your body's natural homeostasis uh, desire is to stay in a neutral pH. And so when you have acidic properties that you're ingesting into your system, your body is already behind the ball and it's trying to you know keep it up. And that's why everyone's switching to an alkaline diet. That's why everyone's switching to a more um, 
plant-based and less meat-based because meat is very acidic. These are things that people are waking up to and going, well, I don't want to put heavy metals in my body. I don't want to put acidity in my body. I don't want to put genomes of uh, unknown origin in my body, like genetically modified material. Um, and so Tyler's Coffees has kind of been at the forefront in the coffee industry directly of having the healthiest coffee in the world. How did that come about? Because for people listening right now that understand what you said, but maybe don't really understand that, how did this idea come about? So my father's a biochemist and he couldn't drink coffee uh, when I was younger, we kind of bonded over coffee because he liked coffee. And the doctor said, you can't drink coffee anymore because you have stomach-related issues. And he said, well, I'll run my way out of that. <laughs> and he did. And uh, he figured out what the absolute inflammatory properties are in the coffee, and that is the tannic and lipid acid. Where did you come in with trying to grow the business? Where were your origins with the brand itself? Obviously, you're the namesake of Tyler's Coffee, but ultimately, where did you start to uh, have an impact on the business and kind of speak to your journey in uh, making the brand what it is today? So at 14 years old, I started uh, my company door-to-door on a bicycle. What I would do is I would go around the neighborhood and then I went around another neighborhood and all I would do is just hand out packs of coffee and say, can I get your name and number? And I'll never forget this old lady. She really was a sweet lady. And I called her and she said, hey, you know, that was really good coffee. And it did for me. So I'm like, what do I get more of it? I was like, well, for me. And she was like, okay, well, how much is it? And I was like, a dollar. And so it really took my company from conception to infancy. And I hope one day that I watching a, a TED talk or I'm watching some, you know, big stage guy and I can say, Hey, I coined that because I haven't heard of this way of looking at businesses before. Businesses, all businesses, every single business in the whole entire world in the history of the, in the whole entire history of the world have a life cycle. What that means is conception, infancy, uh, adolescence and adulthood. Conception starts with the idea of the product or service. Infancy is, okay, test market, test market came back and it looks like it's an approved idea. The industry's interested. Then you have growth, which is adolescence. And then you have adulthood. Adulthood would be your Apple, it would be your Microsoft, it would be your Tesla, it would be your um, Amazon, it would be your multi-billion dollar multinational conglomerate. And so, but again, businesses die too. If I told you, hey, I just got something off of the catalog of Sears and Roebuck, I would be talking about the 1980s. <laughs> Sears and Roebuck used to be Amazon. Amazon took over that because Sears did not go with the time. So if you do not improve your business towards the times that are evolving, you'll be left in the past. So as long as you stay at the forefront or the quote-unquote sphere of newer technology or newer products or newer design or newer ideas, that's how you can actually really flourish. You can find Tyler's Coffee on Amazon, Walmart, eBay, Jet.com, in addition to 40 other retailers and a 1,000 stores through the United States. Um, including the, the chain National Grocers, which people I'm sure listening to this have 
heard of. The evolution of going from selling door to door to e-commerce, was that something that uh, you just learned as you went or the knowledge that basically helped launch your brand to its current state? How did that come about? Good question. So I started online business in 2006. And uh, as far as I know, we were the only subscription out there outside of Javalia. And the reason why I say that is we actually had to hire a coding team to go in and actually build out the subscription model. Now you can get a subscription on absolutely anything. You can subscription anything these days. And actually there's a lot of companies out there that are successful at it. My girlfriend loves Green Chef. Going to Green Chef because they're awesome. USDA certified organic. And it's funny because we we talked about this like four years ago. Like, wouldn't it be cool if we could create a uh, Blue Apron was just big, but it's all organic? Well, someone got that idea and, you know, ran with it. And congratulations to them. But, um, no, um, I would say that I, yeah, so I started in my, uh, in my backyard, per se, um, door to door on the neighborhood, and then I would fulfill orders in my bedroom, and then I'd go online and I'd fulfill those orders in my bedroom, and then you know grow out of that. And now we're in a twenty thousand square foot warehouse, got facilities for processing, you know, well over ten thousand orders a, a month, and uh, doing well. The thing that's interesting with coffee is that. There's so many places where you can grab a cup of coffee, whether it be Starbucks or regional vendors such as, say, like a Dutch Bros or Human Bean for us um, here in the Pacific Northwest. I'm sure there's, you know, local places where you're at as well. Like, how have you guys basically carved a niche to kind of stand out in the world of people being able to get bagged coffee at their favorite coffee house, grocery store? What things have you guys done to kind of separate yourself from a digital standpoint when it comes to getting those 10,000 orders a month? What kind of work has gone into making that happen? Not only that, but sustaining that growth you don't fall into it i'll put it that way um you have to work for it but we niched out a market that is a 1.6 trillion dollar industry uh second largest industry in the world next to oil petroleum products and when you create a blue water territory that has no competition that's that's really what you can kind of hang your hat on and your uh laurels on and you can become very successful very quickly if you are unique and world first. Has it happened where, you know, Big Coffee has made offers to you guys to basically get you out of the game? Um, has there ever been a check written that you have turned down? Business evolution. So Rolex is a beautiful watch company. I love Rolex. That's a couple of them. And Rolex did so well in the industry, in the watch industry, that they got people faking them, making fake Rolexes, right? Well, those fake Rolex companies didn't go to Rolex and said, hey, can we, you know, can we sell your, your watch? What they did is they ripped them off. And so that's what Tyler's Coffee <laughs> became, is world's first and only acid-free coffee. Well, there's low-acid coffees out there. Those are the fakes. Those are the rip-offs of the original. 
you have people trying to create a great value version of Tyler's coffee instead of trying to get the patent or trying to basically pay the people that created the idea their due. It's just easier to copy and create their own product as compared to. Which works in our benefit because people try to low out the coffee and say, oh my God, this is crap. (laughs) And then they try Tyler's coffees and we have a 95% retention rate. So with the taste of coffee is there science to that like how do you guys replicate maybe some of the things that make people come back to a normal cup of joe with acid-free coffee is there more to the science when it comes to taste i'm just curious how you guys have retained we have a very distinct flavor in our taste and so when you try tyler's coffee it's like your mind awakens and says oh my god where have you been my whole life and again i am not let me make this very clear. I am not talking about my product. Do your own due diligence research, people. Go to Amazon. Go to Google. Go to Yelp. Go to Yahoo. Go to all these places. Do your own due diligence. I could be talking literally BS. Don't take my word for it. I'm the founder of the company, but I am going to obviously tell you the best things for the product, not, not the worst. Do your due diligence. Go and look up Tyler's Coffee's review. That being said, we have a five-star review. Go to our website. If you go to our website, tylerscoffees.com, and click on reviews, I didn't make all those reviews. I couldn't. Those are Facebook people. And uh, we've got pages and 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 pages of reviews. We engineered not in a GMO aspect, we're 100% USDA certified organic single sourced origin. But with our knowledge base, we figured out literally how to create the most perfect cup of coffee. Well balanced, smooth, chocolate undertones, flavorful, rich, bold, I mean, nail it. For you guys, the listeners of PNW Pod, Warby Parker is offering a free five-day home try-on to give you the opportunity to check out their glasses. Almost 1 billion people worldwide lack access to glasses. That means that 15% of the global population cannot effectively learn or work, a problem that Warby Parker is determined to address. They've partnered with nonprofits like Vision Spring to ensure that for every pair of glasses sold, a pair is distributed to someone in need. They believe that everyone has the right to see. To get your home try on today, go to WarbyParkerTrial.com forward slash Logan. Again, that's WarbyParkerTrial.com forward slash Logan for your free five day home try on. How do you become successful once you have success? Pretty simple. So, yeah. Negative debt, positive debt. You never, ever, ever buy a depreciating asset with positive debt. You never, ever, ever buy a car on a credit card. Now, I will buy my inventory on a credit card because that's a negative debt going to a positive debt because I'm going to get a higher return. That return, I pull off the profit and that now is liquid. Music from Ghost Kings featured in this episode.
We've got Tyler Ornstein, CEO of Tyler's Coffee, hanging out with us at his PNW pod. So I'm curious about this. Every coffee commercial you see, every advertisement that's out there, people are always talking about where they got their beans from, the humane process in which those beans are ultimately harvested and then produced. How does that work with uh, your guys' brand? Like um, where do the beans come from? I'm just curious. Going into this conversation, I knew very little outside of just going to a coffee stand and, and paying for a cup of whatever. I'm really curious now just from talking to you what you guys are looking for and how that ultimately happens when it comes to harvest and the production of what you guys do. I would answer to that is you start with the best and get the greatest. Uh, Tyler's Coffee is A-grade screen. So for all you coffee aficionados that are listening, you're going to enjoy that. We're, you know, AAA Arabica. Uh, We're not Robusto. We're USDA single-sourced. So what that means is that the NOP, which is regulatory uh, arm of USDA, regulates the soils, uh, regulates the water of our sources in Mexico. You know, our coffee is humanely sourced, I guess is the best way to say that, but we're not fair trade. So let me give you a little background of fair trade. Fair trade is the most common way of saying this is communism. <laughs> People look at me and they go, what? What are you talking about? And I go, well, the reason why I say that is because there is a lot of coffee consumption company out there. I'm not going to name names. What they do is they go and they buy hectares of plantational products. And they say, we will source, we will give you the equipment we will give you the resources to, you know, farm these hectares. But we're only going to pay you this much per kilo. Well, what if the market goes up? Nope. You're not getting more. Because they've got that contract basically locking it in at that price, no matter if the market fluctuates to a positive, possibly for the grower, or to a negative, they're basically locked in at that that same rate. So it's always a benefit to the said corporation. Right. And I'm more for, I buy fair price. So whatever the market's at. Market's low, I buy low. Market's high, I buy high. Whatever the consumer is, whatever I need. And that way, you can... um, you know, be fair to the farmers, to be honest. So with the business in place that, that you guys have, you guys do packaged coffee, you guys do single serving. Yeah. Would you say the age of the, the K-Cup or the Keurig had a impact on you guys? Or I fought tooth and nail not going to the Keurig industry. It just got to the point where our customer base was so adamant about it. So adamant about it. And I don't think Curry's ever made a good cup of coffee, in my opinion. And you're talking about a six gram sale with eight ounces of water. It's not flavorful. It doesn't have saturation. There's a lot of reasons why you should not drink Curry. Now, that being said, Tyler's Coffee is a nine gram sale, right? We triple it. We have a, a smaller particulate filter, so it gives you a much, much better bold flavor in your cup has a higher saturation point. People don't understand that science really dictates a lot of things. And I don't know if you're a car guy, I'm a huge car guy. European horsepower and American horsepower 
are the equivalent of Folgers and Tyler's. They might say, you know, 700 horsepower, but are they putting it to the ground? Whereas the European says 700 horsepower is going to the ground. There's a lot of engineering involved in good quality of products. We have a triple mylar system. Most people use a two mylar system. We have that extra layer so it has a barrier of oxidation protection. These are things that we think of at Tyler's Coffees versus the other ones because all they care about is the price point. Quite frankly, that's what they are for They're in the industry of mass production and mass market. Tyler's Coffees will never be a mass market product. We literally have a nickname in our quote-unquote uh, family, the backordered coffee, because we have such a demand and not enough supply. But we do produce, and uh, we produce at a level that's more than the last month, year over year, uh, for the last 16 years. So probably, you know, another two or three years, we'll take that 10000 a month, and we'll make it 30000 40000 a month. We don't know, right? But the point is, is that we specialize in making each and every bag absolutely identical. So we have a 90, 98, can't say 99, but 98% uh, batch, batch consistency because we use a computer roasting process. And each bean is individually roasted in extremely hot air. This is a completely different and unique way of roasting coffee. It's never been seen before. It's our uh, golden good. Keurig not basically being the, the best cup of coffee, which I can totally agree with. But speaking as a person that is very familiar with coffee in regards to you, like what is the best way to prepare your product? Would you say what would be your recommendation to someone that may buy some of Tyler's coffee after hearing this conversation? What is the best way to prepare um, your product? Okay, the best way to prepare Tyler's coffee is very simple. If you like regular, we have the best regular. If you like decaf, we actually have the best decaf because it's triple. So Swiss water, hard to find Swiss water decaf, period, first and foremost, okay? Second, we're USDA certified single source, okay? Number three, we're acid free. Our decaf sells like two to one. It's pretty ridiculous because people that can't drink coffee anymore love the decaf. Best way to drink Tyler's coffee is regular holding. It's what I drink every day. Get a uh, automatic machine, which again, it's not a like pour pour over or you know uh, brewer. What it is is it think of it as like a Keurig for holding. So you put the beans in. A good Keurig will run you three fifty. Uh, maybe sometimes in the neighborhood of four hundred dollars. Uh, an Automatico will run you about uh, 500 to, I mean, it's crazy. They go up to $8,000. Wow. Juras are, the Juras are, are insane. Don't, don't spend, spend $7,000 for them. <laughs> Get a $500 crux. I, I really, really support crux. I mean, one day, hopefully, they reach out to me and say, hey, Tyler, you know, we heard you on so many podcasts that you, you love crux, so we'd love to work with you. But, uh, and we should reach out to them. That's, that's kind of a, both on our on our end, but anyway, the point is, is get a Krebs machine. Strongly suggest Krebs; it's German, and uh, get the regular holding and and have it grind. You know, it will grind it, it will tamp it, it will extract it, it will do everything for you. Push of a button, most amazingly beautiful thing. 
Um, if you want to go kind of a cheaper route, um, get a, uh, a portafilter, get a grinder, grind it, put a couple uh, scoops in your portafilter, tamp it, extract it. Do you prefer coffee just black or what is the perfect cup of coffee for you or is putting product in Tyler's coffee, do you consider that sacrilege? What are your thoughts on the day and age that we live in where everyone adds 50,000 things and by the end of it, you have a, a two to one ratio, milk, cream, caramel, chocolate um, compared to coffee. Um, how do you make your coffee or do you just drink it uh, the way it is out of the uh, coffee maker? The reason why you do that is because of the bitterness. Because you do not want to taste that bitterness. Quote unquote basic, which is milk, which again, I haven't drank milk in probably six years. Uh, um, kind of lactose intolerant, so it's not a good idea. Although cheese is okay because it's cured. It's weird. My body, my body's a very strange spot. <laughs> It, it kind of it kind of works for what I'm what I'm doing because the people we sell to are have the same issues. But anyway, point is you you take an acidic, you add basic, you get neutral, right? That's kind of like science one hundred and one or chemistry one hundred and one. So the reason why they add milk is because it's acidic and they want to go to basic. So if you're starting with a basic coffee, I know that sounds funny. Basic <laughs> coffee, that's true. Um, if you're starting with a basic coffee then you don't have to add anything. And before COVID, eh, just for like, you know, kicks, I would go to like my local natural grocers and I'd be like, yeah, I'll do a demo for a couple hours, do a customer's thing. I, I would make the espresso through the current because it's an automatic machine. You just push the button, it makes coffee. It's freaking awesome. Freaking awesome, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> so, I'm telling you guys, if you want Christmas, Ask your loved ones or treat yourself to an automatic coffee maker. Thank me later. <laughs> um, anyway, I would make coffee. Maybe like give me cream or sugar. And they'd say no. And they go, oh, I, I can't drink it. And I say, no, no, no. Listen, try it. And then I'm kind of like funny. And I'm like, you can spit it in my face if you don't like it. <laughs> and they would try it. And they go, oh, my God. You don't need the cream and sugar. And I said, yeah. And they go, where do I get it? <laughs> is it here? Do I buy it here? <laughs> Enjoy every single bag of Tyler's coffee. I endorse this product. <laughs> is that just printed on afterwards? Or are you, after the fact, after the product's done, you sign each individual one? Or is that, no, I'm, I'm assuming that's a pain in the ass. I, I would have carpal problems by now. But what I'm saying <laughs> is I put my signature on everything that we sell. Because I endorse it. I think that this is the best damn coffee in the world. I want to be very clear with you, listener. That's not me talking. Uh, that's everyone else talking. I, I just I just fulfill the orders. <laughs> so do you still uh, find yourself hitting the pavement, talking to clients? Um, what is a normal day for you um, outside of you know being gracious enough with your time to do podcasts like this? What is a normal day? for you like um, as the the CEO of Tyler's Coffee? I really do enjoy these. I do. Um, I know it's a media thing. I know it's a marketing thing. I know I'm getting my name out there and I'm getting business. But to be honest with you, I enjoy helping people. And I enjoy calling my customers back directly and figuring out the solution to the problem. And, you know, 
when you say what's an average day at Tyler's Coffee, there's an average day. We have different things happen on a regular basis. Um, I'm just trying to keep this crazy train on the rails. <laughs> you know, fall forward, fall forward and fall fast. But um, you, you can't. That's the kind of the fun fact of being an entrepreneur. You never have a normal day. It's always different. It's always, always different. You know, I could be having meetings with my suppliers. I could be uh, working a deal with a big retailer. I could be uh, doing, uh, you know, uh, marketing. I could, you know, after this call, I have to get on a call with my marketing team. And um, we need to talk about the, the ROAS. We need to talk about, are we going to increase budget? What is our budget going to look like? You know, our like audiences, and how are we going to retarget? What's our conversion cost? Second most purchased commodity in the world. So many people involved in it. So many big corporations. 300 million cups are drank each day on the average in America. And that would lead me to believe there's some cutthroat things going on in the industry. I mean, there's got to be stories out there of, you know, companies trying to come after other companies, or you mentioned earlier, you know, stealing ideas, stealing products. What would you say without naming names would be the shadiest thing that you guys have had to deal with at the hands of say, uh, some of the big heads in this David and Goliath battle that is the coffee industry? Uh, I've never been asked that question, but I actually have a story for you. So again, not naming names, but uh, we found out that our coffee was purchased um, around the Beltway, and it ended up in a test kitchen of one of the biggest coffee houses in the country. <laughs> wow! The thing is, once you go into the into the quote unquote market, free market, anyone can buy your product. Being an entrepreneur, you touched on that every day is different, poses its own set of challenges and successes. It sounds like that alone um, really kind of answered my next question, which was what keeps you motivated and, and keep wanting to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, really, it really helps owning a coffee business in high school and in college, let me tell you. <laughs> the product evolved over time from you going door to door to what it is now. When did you have to make the decision that I have to bring some people on to help. Like I can't just do this all on my own. Where did you draw that line? Because I feel like with this show, um, that's a conversation that we have that some people pushed it as long as they could before deciding that success now dictated bringing somebody on. What was the breaking point for you where you're like, I need to sleep at some point in my life and I, I need some help. Why do you bring up sleep? <laughs> Don't ever, 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 I don't know how many times I can say ever, hire your loved ones or your family in your business. Don't do it. Don't do it. You're really going to hurt yourself. There's a lot of people out there that say I can work with my better half. They can't. They think they can. It's a placebo effect. The reason why I say that is because if you want to be successful, you want to make money, you want to gain success, 
You have to want it, to actually want it, to be successful. And what that does, that changes your mindset when you say you're fired. It's like Donald Trump. You're fired. I have fired more people than I've hired. And the reason why is because they did not do what I asked. Does that sound like a dick move? Yeah. Does that sound egotistical? Yeah. But the reality of it is, is that you have to have people working for you and not against you. And even though you have a loved one, they see you in a different light because they want you to treat them like you do in the relationship. And let me be very frank. Business and pleasure don't ever mix. My girlfriend and I worked in the business together for eight years, and we wanted to kill each other. We were at each other's next. I'd be like, did you cook? Yes, I posted. Well, what's for dinner? I don't know. You know, oh, how are you? I'm fine. Okay, well, did you get that, did you get that project done? No. Well, why? Because I've been working on this. I've been working on that. You don't need those people in the business. You need yes people. Maybe if you don't have yes men, and, and this is completely opposite of what everyone else talks about. And I'm telling you, I, I'm sure I can get flack for this. I mean, I've, before COVID, I would go around the country and I would speak and, you know, be interviewed. And at the end, I'd get off stage. People come up to me and obviously want to talk to you. I love talking to people. I love helping people. I really have a soft spot for entrepreneurs. I really have a soft spot for success. Um, I want people to be successful and I want people to, to, to you know, have an idea and make it to a fruition because I did that, right? So, I mean, I see myself in that. One time, this person came up to me and said, Tyler, a couple people have been telling me that uh, they think you're kind of a, a rude person. And they said, I am. At some point, I am. I'm an alpha. I don't take what people say, quote unquote, to heart. I know that I am benefiting the world by bringing out this product. And I know that I'm supporting a lot of people's needs. Now, if you think that I'm going to be, quote unquote, edgy or not PC, yeah. But that's the luxury of ultimately working for yourself, too, is that separate yourself from being politically correct, towing a company line versus ultimately what is the best way to stand out in a crowded marketplace. And a lot of times that is to have that edge. Yeah. Trust me, there's way more uh, supporters on my side than there are haters. Like I said, I'm, I'm a really, really good, nice guy to get around. I'm not trying to, to tell your listeners, oh, that was, you know, a douchebag of an apple or whatever. Sorry, excuse my French. <laughs> You're uh, good. You're good. Anything goes um, ultimately with our brand, and our brand was predicated on cockiness, edge, and kind of having but, some uh, asshole tendencies. Yeah, there, there, there is so many successful people that have been deemed is the word deemed an asshole or a dick. And being now over a million dollars net cap personal wealth, uh, I get what they need. I get what they need. I used to be outside looking in, and now that I'm in the, uh, again, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to be egotistical here because I'm really not. But now that I'm looking out, 
I see what they mean. And what they mean is that they were really nice, they were really sweet, and they got trampled on. And they lost money. And they couldn't succeed. And it took someone that actually could balls up and say, no, we're going to do it my way or you're fired, to actually get what they wanted to get accomplished. When it comes to money without really digging into the minute details of it, what would be your philosophy when it comes to financial success now that you've put yourself at a comfortable level with Tyler's Coffee? So it's actually pretty simple. I'm a guy that likes to take a convoluted uh, situation and bring it down into the most basic and simplistic ways. How do we take a $1.6 trillion industry and break into that where we get market share? Well, we uniquely... Uh, position yourself in a different way. How do you become successful once you have success? Pretty simple. So, debt. Negative debt, positive debt. You never, ever, ever buy a depreciating asset with positive debt. You never, ever, ever buy uh, essentially a car on a credit card. Now, I will buy my inventory on a credit card because that's a negative debt going to a positive debt because I'm going to get a higher return. That return, I pull off the profit, and that now is liquid. Liquid can now be used for essentially whatever you want. I mean, if you want to travel, if you want to buy cars, you want to buy houses, you want to invest in the stock market, whatever. But you have a centralized way of gaining wealth. Using the debt, you only buy a positive cost, or sorry, a positive uh, investment. You never ever buy a, a negative investment. And I think that's where everyone goes wrong. When people go and buy a car, they use, you know, uh, credit. And, and I have, I've done it. Um, and it was just to build my credit. I mean, I already had the money in the bank sitting in an account, but I just, like, yeah, you know, why not? Let's do a, let's do a five-year term and I'll build my credit and I'll pay it off in two. Um, but I use my, my credit to buy inventory. And then I can let that inventory sit for a little bit longer in quote-unquote limbo while I'm waiting for the checks to come in for the cost. From a percentages standpoint, what would you say is a successful business when it comes to expenses versus profit, like operating costs versus net profit, like for people that are listening to this and maybe are living off of credit to support their hobbies that they want to eventually okay. turn into a business. Under no circumstances invest credit, especially at an interest rate, right? So if you buy a standard credit, it's a 27% interest rate, APR. 27% APR. Yeah. And if you go over your limit, it knocks up to like 50. Stupid. Not only that, if you don't pay it off within the month, certain credit cards. I mean, I, I trust me, I'm a savvy guy when it comes to buying credit. So I'll buy 12 months free interest and I'll do a line of 100000 because my credit's there, right? So, but if you buy anything on a credit card that is not going to give you an ROI, you best have liquid sitting there to offset it. And if you don't, then 
what you're doing and you're robbing Paul to pay Peter and you'll never get ahead. <laughs> and then when it comes to personal income versus business income, when did you draw the line in the, the startup phase realizing like, hey, I have to separate the two? Like, was it from the beginning or did you learn over time not to basically combine uh, personal and, and business income and being able to uh, separate the two things? You know what's really sad is they don't teach monopoly in school. If I owned a school, this is not a joke. This is not like a ha-ha, Tyler, you're a funny guy. If I had a private school, I would have one class every single day that literally the kids would go to the classroom and they would play Monopoly with each other. One of the greatest games to teach kids about money management, business, equity, selling, growth, transfer of wealth. I think that when I was very young, I learned how to set aside a certain amount of wealth to buy certain assets to get better returns on on my asset. For people listening to this, what would you say from a personal standpoint are the best investments that people can make? Because there's so many things that people see on TV. I'll counter that question with how much money do you have to spend? Got $20 million, I would say go buy rental properties if they get some good, solid, conservative investments. He's got $20, I would say get a Robinhood account and start investing into a stock. Go on to uh, social media, TikTok. TikTok's actually a really good one. And start following people that are traders. I do. Literally. Okay, here you go. For your um, for your listeners. Ready? Because you asked, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> All right. You're ready, guys. Write this down. A, B, and A. Alpha Bravo, November Bravo. It's Airbnb. It is going live with their IPO tomorrow. Buy it. E-A-S-H. Delta Alpha Sierra Hilo. IPO is going live today. Okay? So you can buy it today or tomorrow. Um, anytime an IPO goes live, you guys are going to make money. Alpha Lima is uh, another company that's going uh, IPO live uh, three days ago, and it's already from thirty-one to thirty-four dollars. <laughs> so if you invested a hundred bucks, you're not even forty bucks. Are there things that you've learned over time, um, mistakes that you've made in terms of investing, things that um, have ultimately not ended up well for you, like certain things, pitfalls like penny stocks or, or different things that may have cost you money that you wouldn't recommend for people and things that you wouldn't touch again? So I'm a car guy, right? Like everyone knows Tyler Wernstein is a car guy. He loves cars. Uh, anyone that knows me, at least. He breathes sleep cars and yeah, I sell coffee and that's weird. But anyway... I'll tell you a funny story. So when I was 2005, I was 15 years old. This is not for the normal person, right? Mm -hmm. When I was 15 years old, I would ask, what would be an ideal investment? I don't know who asked it to me. I'm trying to remember how how it went, but I said, oh, I would invest in in a Ferrari Enzo. Because it just came out. And 
Grand Ferrari get, you know, promised that they would never make more than 400 or something cars and they were going to destroy the blueprints and honestly, you could only get parts, but it was through a whole serial system and production. Point being, I went online and I found this Ferrari Enzo. By the way, you were asked by Ferrari to purchase this car. You couldn't just go to the store and purchase it. <laughs> and I saw it for $500,000. And then I was like, oh my God, that's this price. So in my ultimate wisdom at 15 years old, I called Ferrari of uh, Beverly Hills and I said, so what's the deal on the car? And he was very polite. I'm sure he was like, how old is this kid? But he was very polite. And uh, he said, well, the owner uh, has three Ferraris. Uh, he bought the Ferrari and an older gentleman drove it around the block and said that his you know, back hurts because it's such a hard ride, right? And so uh, we entitled it, we licensed it, but now that it's a used car, it goes into the market. It's okay. So I told my dad, I said, Dad, Dad, I know this sounds crazy, but you have to buy this car. Like, you have to buy this car. He thought, he's like, no, I'm not buying a Ferrari. Well, I keep bringing up that story to him all the time whenever he, like, talks to me about investments. That car, that car in four years went up to $1.5 million. Hmm. Hmm. It a million dollars in four years. Wow. The one case of a vehicle not depreciating. That's not entirely true. 918. 918 was going up. Kunisic going up. Uh, Pagani Zamba going up. Uh, you know, these cars that are that are multi-million dollar one-off supercars, good investments, really flipping good investments. But you have to have a lot of money to play in that game. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's just, uh, you, the savvy investor is the one that looks, looks for the opportunity and strike. And you got the greatest thing about being liquid, which I'm not always liquid because I have to buy, you know, inventory or, that goes to pay stuff like that. But when you are liquid, I try to buy assets. Um, you know, I bought a rental property and free and cleared, 75K, and paying me $1,200 a month. Nope. That's all profit for you outside of, you know, maintenance. And But you bought it outright. So basically your tenant isn't paying off your loan. It's right. it's profit. It's just, just free and clear profit. Yeah. So ultimately, with having the capital, I, I see in a lot of cases, um, you know, people swooping up rental properties, putting loans on them, and then they're in situations where, you know, they have to charge way more than market value to ultimately get any sort of profit, and then you have properties that just ultimately sit. Yeah. Yeah, a good, a good rule of thumb is, well, you can never, okay, oh, wait, it was a fluke situation, but <laughs> then the SEP came in and said, no, you can never do that again. That was a bad mistake. We essentially, you know, sold the value of the U.S. equity of buildings out from underneath, under, you know, thanks Obama. Um, but uh, people say it's Bush is the bone. His first year and he crashed the economy for the long. Um, the reason why I say it is because first year Trump was in, we have the best economy in the history of America. I mean, 
down to twenty 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 thousand dollars. Yeah. But um no, I mean, so buying property is a good investment. It's a, it's a long-term investment, but it's a good investment. You can always sell it. You can always make money. And I say a good rule of thumb is if you can double the rent of your mortgage, you're doing well. So just off numbers, your mortgage costs a thousand dollars. Sorry, your mortgage costs five hundred dollars. You rent it for a thousand dollars. So. Mortgage covered plus five hundred plus fifty percent of the mortgage cost, and that's a good rule of thumb for investment property. What would you say for people listening to this would be the biggest mistake that that somebody can make looking to basically get into business for themselves? What would be the the number one thing that people should avoid attempting to be an entrepreneur? You want Shark Tank, right? Yeah. A lot of people think their idea is fantastic. I love watching Shark Tank because I'm like, I'm, I literally can go by like, I can literally watch Shark Tank and my girlfriend goes, how the hell do you know? It's like, because it makes sense, makes it simple. But I can literally tell you what they're, what the deal's gonna do or if they're gonna do the deal. And I, I guess this is the gift I have. But when you bring to the sharks an idea and they say, I'm out, out. <laughs> don't, 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 don't try to say I, I'm going to show you what I'm going to show you. I can do it because they're, they're, they've been around the block. What I mean by that is test market, test market, test market, test market, test market, test market, test market. When you even think you're done with test marketing, you need to move more test marketing. By doing test marketing, you're going to find out real quick is your idea viable. Tyler Ornstein hanging out with us from uh, Tyler's Coffee. 80% growth year over year with more than uh, 2 million cups sold. Tyler'sCoffee.com or go to any of the retailers that uh, carry it from the store locator on the website. Well, I will let you get about your day, man. It has been a pleasure. And um, I mean, as as time goes on with this, have you on as a regular guest and uh, love to be able to ask you questions about basically things that you've seen as an entrepreneur going forward and, and maybe things to avoid uh, as I go along my own journey. But I appreciate your time. For everyone out there, um, the only thing you can't do right is not do it at all. Thank you for listening to this episode of PNW Pod. be featured on the show, send inquiries to thebrandlogan at gmail.com. This was a Logan Agency production. For more, visit us at theloganagency.com.